You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy. And we are your stupendous hosts. Welcome to episode 11. This week, we are discussing The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. And because it is Kimmy's birth week, happy, happy birthday. She read this seven years ago and dubbed it as one of her all-time faves, so we decided to feature it for her birthday. We actually talked about this on our very first episode when we did Meet Katie and Kimmy. Aww. Aww. Flashback time. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a reread for me after a long time, but brand new to you. Yep. And the things I do for you. Thank you for your service. You're welcome for my service. I'm very curious to see if you still enjoy it as much as you did then. But we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about that later. What have you been reading lately? So right now, I, so I just finished listening to The Dutch House by Anne Patchette. It's kind of sad, depressing, slow paced. Uh, but now I'm listening to 28 Summers by Ellen Hildebrand. Oh. Which she's one of those authors who I feel like I see everywhere, but also nowhere. Yes. Like no one actually reads her, but she's still crazy popular. But I'm like, by who? Because when you said her name, I was like, oh, I know her name. And then I'm like, well, what books has she read or written? Yeah, so I don't know, but I'm really loving this book. Okay, cool. So what about you? Nothing. Oh, my. It was a struggle to finish this book. (laughs) Okay. I have read zero books this week or last week, I should say. I finished this book. Yeah. I've just had a lot going on in my life outside of books, and that's why... What is that? I don't know. Life outside of It doesn't books. happen very often. It's very odd. But okay. it did this week, and so I'm hoping to get right back in the swing of things because I need to catch up if I'm going to make 100 books this year because you are blowing past me right now. I'm halfway done with my goal. I know you are. <laughs> A quarter done with your goal. Yeah. So. So, all right. Well, we will post reviews when we do read books, if we do. Eventually. On our Instagram, maybe we'll throw some other stuff in there. You can find my girl Katie at Katie's Lost Chill. And mine is, of course, Kimmy's Lost Chill. The Instagram for this podcast is The Lost Chill. And this week, it's going to be completely focused on the night circus. And Kimmy's birthday. (laughs) Yay! We sincerely hope you join the conversation about this book. Now, before I forget, I want to remind you, there will probably be spoilers Let's get this birthday party started. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. What? What? What a time to be alive. (laughs) Oh, man. We're silly tonight. That's fine. I love it. Me too. All right. The Night Circus has a 4.03 rating on Goodreads, which is pretty high of an average to maintain considering this book was released in 2011. Her other book, The Starless Sea, was released in September of 2019. Have you read that one? I haven't. Okay. Do you know anything about it? Nope. I don't but I know. want to. I didn't. I didn't really look into that 
book very much, but I was just curious if you had read that since yeah, you like this one so much. Yeah, it's been in my TBR pile forever. Oh, okay. I just haven't gotten so around you, to it. So you knew about it? Yeah. Okay. My most favorite fact that I learned about Erin Morgenstern was that she writes her books with a fountain pen on unlined paper. And she said something about this in the acknowledgments. It was really brief. And then on her website, she goes into a little bit more in depth about that. So I just thought that was so cool that she does it old school. Film rights to the Night Circus have been sold to Lionsgate, but it's unknown if a movie will ever be produced. And the Night Circus started as a NaNoWriMo project. Are you familiar with that? I am, actually. Are you? Awesome. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, it is National... Now I need to look it up. Hold on. National Novel Writing Month. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So National Novel Writing Month, and the goal is to write at least 30,000 words in the span of a month. She also hit home with something on there on her website about how there is no unfinished books as far as writing goes, but abandoned books. She was initially rejected by 30 literary agents until she became, she signed with Inkwell and became an international bestselling author. So the main character, Celia, was not in her first draft of this book, much like Chris and Hannah's The Four Winds, which we talked about um, last month. And that first draft did not have Elsa, who was also one of the main characters in that one as well. So I always find that interesting when a book gets published with characters that weren't initially even there. I actually did look up a little bit too. I don't like researching as much as you, (laughs) but I read that it wasn't even like at a circus. Yeah. (laughs) No, it wasn't. And then when she got like, she's like, nothing's happening. Like I need to, there were two characters that went to the circus. Yeah. And, and then, then the that's circus, when all the stuff started happening. Yeah, the circus became more interesting than the, than the two characters who went to the circus. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy to think what a different route this book took than what she originally envisioned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so weird. I love when that stuff happens and when the authors give you a little bit of a glimpse into that creative process. I enjoy that too. So before we even get into the synopsis, I want to get to the nitty gritty of you and I. Ooh, I'm intrigued to see where we're going with this. Okay, so first, I am genuinely curious. What is your learning style? I am a hodgepodge hot mess. Oh. <laughs> I'm no, sure. Learning style, oh, Caitlin, oh, not oh, oh, you sorry. as a person. Oh, still a hodgepodge <laughs> hot mess. Oh. <laughs> so when it comes to learning a new job, very hands-on. I need to do it in order to understand it, and I tend to... I don't want to say tune out instructions until I can do it, but there's definitely, I'm not paying as much of attention. I'm going through in my head, like how I think it's going to run down. But the ultimate way for me to understand the most and the most ideal, but it's not really practical for my life would be to listen to audiobook and follow along reading it. (laughs) That would be the ultimate for me. Man, that's silly. It is. It's weird. But it's like reading out loud to yourself. That sounds terrible. It does. But I don't do that. I am very much like introspective, like read and absorb. Like sometimes people can tell me stuff and it helps. And I like to like be hands on at times. But I'm surprised at how well I am absorbing my audiobooks. But I'm picking ones that I actually like for the most part. Yeah. All right, man. So 
That was fun. I feel like I know you a little bit better now, and our listeners know us a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, one more fun fact about the difference between Katie and I is that I, Kimmy, am typically just completely incapable of being concise and to the point. Legit, when I was in school, the teacher would assign everyone else a minimum number of pages to write, and then I alone would be assigned a maximum. Not surprising in the least bit. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and so, one thing I found interesting um, is I thought this would be true about myself in any circumstance, mm-hmm. that I would always just go to town. But creating a podcast with someone has been very illuminating <laughs> into so much of who you are and who I am as a person. So I have learned that I am not at all long-winded when it comes to the synopsis of books. However, you can be. So that is true, but only if I like the book. That's when my long-winded comes out and my Ibrahim from the Thursday Murder Club makes an appearance. (laughs) Uh, I can just write a whole play-by-play of the book because I liked it so much. By definition, a synopsis is brief. What, my five-page on the lost apothecary? (laughs) yes lost apothecary that was beautiful was not your your book report (laughs) oh you whatever so in order not to reveal too much about your opinion of this book (laughs) i did in advance take advantage of the synopsis for tonight okay the night circus is a rather vague book about two people who are bound to be in competition together and assume the competition will be one of skill. The playing field, battlegrounds, chess board, what have you, is a circus. The rules remain unclear throughout, but it runs deeper than either would have guessed. That's it? Yep. Are you sure? I don't know. Is anything missing? <laughs> From a synopsis? Not. About four pages. <laughs> That's a summary, a book report, not a synopsis. I also didn't know that you could be that concise. <laughs> Ever. Okay. You, know you what? should see the text messages that I I hit. now require your full book report on my desk tomorrow at seven. Done. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> All right. So the other crazy thing mm-hmm. is that while this was going on, we were reading this. I actually saw a news article the other day. About a circus that just came through town. Did you hear about it? No. There was a circus fire and everything. Really? Yeah, it was intense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you. (laughs) Did you fall for it? I did. I was like, I was like, I didn't see this at all. But I'm also extremely gullible, and I feel like you played on that. Oh, man, I did. Yeah. And she even knew that the, a joke was forthcoming. Yeah. She thought I was just going I thought, off yeah. kilter all the I thought you were ad-libbing, that you were, you were bringing something else to the conversation. Yes. So, I pulled it off. Bravo. Thank you. Bravo. Thank you. I am very impressed. <laughs> on that note, I need some more... Uh, tea seltzer hard seltzer stuff that we're drinking tonight yeah it's truly hard seltzer tea this is not an ad because literally no one sponsors us (laughs) 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 but we're gonna go get something else to drink please enjoy this ad Without a doubt, you are currently enjoying the pure hilarity and delight while listening to the Lost Chill podcast. But I know, in about an hour or so, that old familiar sinking feeling will creep in. 
What do you even do each week after you finish listening to the latest episode of The Lost Chill? You miss the crazy shenanigans, the silly hootenanny, the general hullabaloo? If only there was another podcast you could listen to that had all those things. Well, have I got some good news for you? There is, and it's called the Death Metal Disco Podcast, hosted by our friend James who talks about whatever the heck he pleases. We can promise that you will be absolutely tickled as he rambles on about anything and everything. Again, it's the Death Metal Disco Podcast. That's death as in the opposite of life, metal as in a genre of music that Taylor Swift has not gotten into yet, and disco, the place where some have been known to panic at. Be sure to check it out, and be sure to let James know that Katie and Kimmy sent you. Enjoy! Alright, welcome back. So, this book is a reread for you, Kimmy, and it's previously had been dubbed as one of your favorite books of all time. Later, we're going to talk about if it still tops your list. But what was it like revisiting the Circus of Dreams? Was it like Hogwarts welcoming you home? You know what? I think it was. It was very familiar and endearing and warm. And I wanted to go wander around there. I would have been a reviewer. Is that what they're called? Reveler? Reveler. Reveler, yes. I would have been a reveler for Get sure. Get a red scarf. Yeah. Um. So, fun fact. I'm not sure. Maybe you can give a few other examples if you happen to see but uh, she actually, the author, Erin Morgenstern, promotes a lot of places that sell objects related to her books. And so I saw that she was posting recently, like people making red scarves. Oh, really? And even like a mug. We like those. Oh, we like those. That was like he activated to have the circus come Oh, on. that's awesome. There's also, uh, I found on her website, a place that actually sells the chocolate mice that Bailey oh, was so fond of. That's so, so wonderful. Yeah, it was really cool. I love that. Yeah, there was just so much i don't would you have gone to this circus sure at midnight Um, (laughs) yeah i mean i'm used to staying up all night uh i don't i I like that there wasn't a lot of animals involved at least not that we heard of we were kind of talking during the break about animal cruelty associated with circus but we're not gonna bring the mood down with that um so i i don't like going to the circus for that reason but this one had kittens and some maybe big cats and it was magical anyway so there's they... no maybe it had big cats but i mean as far as ethical treatment of them i hope that it was correct that it was nice because there was magic involved that's all i'll say <laughs> <laughs> i've derailed a little bit a little bit so anyways i really like the circus in general i don't know there's just something you do about what it. what did you share with me a few minutes ago. Oh, I totally would have ran away. I wanted to run away and join the circus when I was in high school. <laughs> I would have. I wanted to be the human cannonball. Would have settled for an acrobat or a lion tamer. That's fine. Yeah. I I would be like happy doing nearly everything except being a clown. I don't want to do that. Kimmy has like no fear. And I am completely jealous of that because I'm a little chicken shit. It all just looks so fun. And I don't know. Usually it's a bunch of misfits themselves and i don't feel like you're a misfit though you don't know i do i'm a four no one understands me (laughs) okay emo (laughs) (laughs) um i do have a question for you though okay while we're on this topic of rereading it i don't reread books okay ever okay 
Did you remember a lot of what happened? Did you remember the plot, the characters, the feel? Um, so this was very glorious, honestly, to me. My, my brain did not betray me, thankfully. So I'm curious to see if you like hold steadfast to this forever. Mm-hmm. Because when I read 100 books a year, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and that was like when, this, when I read this, like seven years ago now. For one, it's like hard to keep that many books straight forever, but then you keep reading a lot, you read more and more, and time passes. You forget a ton. Okay. And so, honestly, I didn't remember a lot of it at all. I couldn't have talked about this in any detail or depth if I hadn't have reread it. Interesting. And so it was mostly I remember the feeling and just the game and vague premise i think i remembered the like final rule that took them forever to figure out uh-huh. but then specifically with the the contourist uh-huh contortionist contortionist contourist i think <laughs> the that's makeup a artist makeup artist on tiktok Oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> that's like magic in a Give way yourself high cheekbones it's fine <laughs> it's magic it's magic in a different way <laughs> Um, so specifically with the contortionist, I don't know what kept happening, but with her, I would remember in layers, which was odd. Like before she was ever even introduced at the dinner party, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wasn't there a key player who was a contortionist? And then she showed up, but my brain didn't even go and be like, oh yeah, she's the one who ruins everything and forces the hand and does this stuff. And who was played in a former game. It didn't, I didn't remember all of that, but usually there would be something that happened like a page or a chapter before that revealed in the book that reminded me. Okay. So I like remembered before it happened, but not too far. Uh It was interesting. So it's kind of like watching a movie that you haven't seen in a few years, kind of the same premise, right? I don't watch a lot of movies. Because this is a podcast about books, not movies. I keep forgetting that. I know. It's hard. It's hard. I found that interesting, and um, we're actually going to do another book that I'm rereading from seven years ago called Firefly Lane. I'm familiar with that one. Our viewers actually, sorry, our listeners actually voted about that on Instagram, that they wanted us to cover that. And so so that's another one that I don't remember details. I even watched the show, but I'd be talking about the show and nothing specific in the book, which all is not even revealed in the show. Oh, really? I'd like to watch the show before we do that episode, because I've recently read the, the book, so... I kind of want to... Have you even started? I watched one episode. Okay. So I'd like to finish it before we record that episode. So it's... I mean, enough time passes and it's hard when it's fresh and you read books. You're like, oh, I'll never forget that. But like you think the same thing with your kids too. Sure. Break your heart again. Yep. Don't do it. Like, this is so cute. I love this so much. How could I ever forget these moments that are everything and give me so much joy? And then you do. Why do you love hurting me? I'm a four. (laughs) Yes. All right. So, okay, let's bring it back up then and talk about some purple elephants. Purple elephants, our favorite. Purple elephants are just, um, if you don't know and aren't familiar, you say something and then you start seeing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there are certain themes that we find in every single book we read. Yep. Which is so (laughs) weird. And I don't know if they're just common themes that nobody really talks about or if we're just crazy. Yes. Okay. So one of the big ones is names Mm -hmm. and the power of names. Which we've gone in depth about on multiple episodes. Yes. 
not just the pronunciation, but just the actual <laughs> name itself. Fair enough. Uh, there was Hector Bowen, also known as Prospero the Enchanta. Pronounced just like that, probably. Yeah, every single time. There was the, even the more mysterious Alexander. Is that his name? Yeah. Or A-H? Yeah. Dash. At the end. I always thought that was funny. And he just completely disregarded names. When he was picking someone for the competition, the boy at the time, we didn't know his name. He was like, uh, don't you want to know who I am? And he's like, that's just a label given by your parents or an institution. I don't care. If you need one, pick one. Nothing to me. How did you feel when Alexander just completely wrote off the importance of having a name, claiming they weren't as important as he thought? I thought he was pompous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was terrible. But I mean, we've talked about before how... People grow into their names and you can't think about calling them something other than that because that's who they are to you. And while it's sure, it's just a label and there's thousands, if not millions of other Kimmies and Katie's out there, but that's who you are mm -hmm. and that's who anybody is with their name. So I, I thought it was really cold and really honestly terrible, especially because he was picked out of an orphanage. And he had been there as long as he could remember. And for somebody to just like kind of put him in isolation, tell him that his name doesn't matter, which sort of means you don't matter in what I read between the lines, what I infer, <laughs> <laughs> um, is really hard for a person. And it's crazy that he didn't end up more messed up than he was. And I don't even think he was that messed up. He could have been a really mean person for growing up that way. I agree. And I think just going further, we always talk about how giving something a name gives it power. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times it also gives it value. And, you know, kind of just the phrase when you think about um, talking about groups of people, you know, just a number, just one in the crowd. It's when you make them that individual yeah. with that label that is theirs alone and no one else is what, is what makes it special. And then... I mean, sometimes we've even talked about, you know, with our husbands, how it'd be weird if they called us Katie and Kimmy. Right. Because they call us something they call no one else being right. like babe or honey or what yeah. have you. Mm -hmm. And so it just... It actually freaks me out. Yeah. And I'm like... That's you and I tell him. Am I'm I in like, trouble? Like, is there yeah. danger? Yeah. I'm like, I actually tell him. I'm like, don't call me that. I don't like that. Or like my supervisor at work calls me by my last name all the time. And when he calls me Katie, I'm like... I don't like that, <laughs> which that? is the same yeah. thing for like Lindsay with James. James calls her by her actual maiden name, but I think any of us would be weirded out if he actually called her Lindsay. Right. They give you value. They, they show that you're important to yeah. someone. Yeah. Like it was like a huge sign of disrespect that he was like, your name yes. is no importance Disrespect. That is a good word for it. Disrespect and just did not care about him. Because then it's kind of like you could be anyone. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if you're Jim, Joe, or Bob. No. Nope. Do you think Marco... Polo. <laughs> Did you do that this whole book? No. That was literally the first time I did that. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyways... Did you think that Marco was the name from the orphanage or his parents mm -hmm. or before? Or do you think he just made it up? I think he made it up. Okay. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I didn't get enough of his backstory. Yeah. I don't know. 
Now that you kind of mentioned that, I just assumed that it was. I guess I didn't give it much thought. But now that you asked me that, he mentioned, I think it may have been a little bit after he had been taken home from the orphanage, that he mentioned it was weird to speak his name out loud. And so I wonder if it was from the orphanage or if he made it up because it was so weird to speak it out loud. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's a mystery. It is mysterious. Much like a lot of this book. (laughs) Earlier, we talked about learning styles, which truly does tie in nicely with this book. In the beginning, we see how one student, Celia, is taught to use her magic by just simply doing. This is broken. You are broken. You are bleeding, etc. Figure out how to fix it. While on the other hand, Marco is essentially locked in rooms with books and has to teach himself with very limited interaction or instruction. Do you think one of them had it easier than the other? And which one would you prefer? So realistically, I probably learn better from reading and knowing the in and outs and all these things. But I think in the long run, I would prefer Celia's form of training. Definitely harder and it's hard to say which is crueler, honestly, because they're both pretty messed up. Last week, you and I talked about how bad isolation is for us. Mm-hmm. So that would have been just straight up torture for me. But Celia literally experienced physical abuse again and again that she had to figure out how to fix on her own. And I, I think I would have just preferred that because I think one of the ultimate forms of power. This is my eight side coming out is being in self, having that self-control, as much control as possible. So I think that learning in the most chaotic, stressful, and painful conditions would have been more helpful in the long run just to be able to keep your head, keep your cool, and stay in control and not lose that focus because you literally cannot. So that being said, kind of bouncing off of this, if things had not ended in the book the way that they did and there was a winner declared who do you think it would have been hmm i think also celia wait i, I would no. say celia that's a lie no um i'm I, i'm saying backwards so we want to know who the winner would be correct so i think the winner would have been marco because really? i think celia yes she has that control but i think things are just more intense for her in that way where it's all felt and very close to the surface she feels like she has to control it so i also kind of feel like her being in control that it goes until she says it doesn't okay all right i i disagree i think that celia by far was superior to marco just because she did have that control and also more of a real world experience than he did She was practicing her magic every single night, multiple times a night, multiple shows. Granted, it wasn't in the same capacity that she was doing the competition in, but she was still using it on a daily basis and practice makes perfect, right? So that's why I think that Celia would have won. I guess I feel like we didn't know Marco as well as I would have liked, even though we knew him pretty well, but he was just so contained and what more would doing you want things by the book you um, want like a backstory or so i will say overall something i felt reading this this time around is that the 
those two main characters almost didn't have enough flaws. Flaws I can definitely see. Not having enough. Like, yeah, he was quiet and in the background, but controlled by his books. Like, what's a bad quality about him? Well, he led Isabel on. I don't necessarily think he did or meant to. He said he didn't mean to. And that it changed. And then Celia, like, even Isabella was saying, like, I try to hate her, but she's so nice to me all the time, perfect, and just all these things. And they were almost just both too good to be true. I see what you're saying completely. And so that was also a struggle. Um, I guess I just think that... I don't think it's a matter of endurance or skill even of who would make Marco or Celia the victor. I think Celia would have lost because I think she would have been the one willing to do the self-sacrifice. That is also a good point. That's why I think that. Because she was already planning on doing that anyway. Right. So. Yeah. And it's hard. And so going back to with what you were saying with Isabel, I mean, I guess not even a question of if their love was real or not, but do you think if they weren't bound together that they would have fallen in love? Well, funny you ask that because I was suspicious of him throughout the entire book. I thought it was fake throughout the entire book and I thought that she was way more invested in their relationship air quotes relationship Mm -hmm. for lack of better terms throughout most of the book than he was for some reason even though you know he made the first move so to speak by giving that big display of uh PDA in the middle of the the party Things like that, but I truly was suspicious of him until the very end. And I guess their love was real because of what he, well, what they both did for each other. And they ended up together in eternity in the fire, I guess. But (laughs) I didn't believe it through most of the book. I was very, very leery of it. All right. Interesting. Were you not suspicious? I don't remember the first time around. but This, I, this time around, though. Yeah. That, I, like, I knew... I didn't remember exactly what led to it, but that I knew, like, the general thing and the, the love they had for each other. Okay. It's a very... So you kind of had an inkling from reading it the first time? Yeah. Okay. So there are some things, like, I knew it was a love story between them and that they were, like, doomed lovers the whole time. All but right. I don't remember, like, exactly, like, how it played out. Okay. So, I don't know. I I was just, I thought he was going to screw her over, honestly. Oh, man, this book. So, I thought of you when Celia (laughs) was describing her talent to Marco. She said that she finds it harder not to influence her surrounding and is thus always breaking things. Have you ever considered that your clumsiness is just your uncontrolled, untamed superpowers? Not until you asked me this question. (laughs) So for you folks out there listening who don't know us in person, I am extremely clumsy. (laughs) Like it's a bet at work to see how long it's going to take me to drop shit. People comment on it all the time. She's dropped entire sheet cakes. One time we had Friendsgiving. The turkey was fresh, fresh on the table, straight out of the oven. She spilled red wine all over it. Like, just all these things. I was, first of all, let me defend myself. (laughs) With the sheet cake, I was extremely pregnant. 
and I had the dropsies <laughs> intensified by a bazillion. Okay. First of all, and I did get my piece of cake for the record. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. Nobody else got a piece, but whatever. You don't not feed a pregnant person. True. Second, <laughs> I was extremely intoxicated with the turkey. We had been drinking since like 8 a.m. I hadn't. I was pregnant that oh, time. <laughs> I had been drinking since 8 a.m. While we were preparing things. We're lucky it wasn't like a finger that I chopped off or something. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. I would have been really anti because that pregnant lady needed to be fed. Yes. You were anti anyway. It looked diseased. It did. It was gross. It was very disgusting. And Kimmy's son does not let me ever live it down. (laughs) Hey, Katie, remember that time you spilled wine all over the turkey? Yes, I do. Yes, everyone does. Everyone does. Thank you. Oh, man. Good times. I'm going to go with, yes, it is unharnessed superpowers. And I love superheroes. So, yes. I love I, it. I am a superhero. And I will It is tap... very hard not to influence your surroundings. <laughs> I will tap into those powers one day. I believe in I you. I won't. Okay. I'm going to continue to drop shit. All right. Yeah. Who has time to harness those powers? I spilled milk this morning making coffee. I spill everything. I think I spilled my creamer this morning, actually. Did you? Well, so what I did was I hit the creamer on the fridge door, and then the lid popped off. I didn't know it. And then I shook it a little bit. Oh, I did that at work <laughs> recently. Oh, and it got everywhere. Yeah. Oh, and it's so sticky. So sticky. <sighs> I spilled some stuff, too, before I came over here. I bet. Yeah. I was... Those are harness powers. Yep. I spilled it all over my brand new refrigerator. Well, please don't influence your surroundings here. I am... In the studio. In the studio. This is clear, though. Okay. But probably sticky. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) The big anniversary celebration for the circus missed the 10-year decade mark, but instead was celebrated on the 13th year. Today happens to be April 13th. What? Oddly enough, Kimmy's birthday. There was a slight illusion, like maybe it was just forgotten, and so they did it then. Do you think that was intentionally done that way, or do you think the 13th year was always intended? And is this the real reason you love this book so much? <laughs> that is the one sole reason. <laughs> um, there is something super, super magical and powerful about the number 13. What is it? That's something for us 13ers to know. Oh. Me and Taylor Swift. So sorry. Not part of the 13 club. I don't know what it is. It's just powerful. Uh, in this book, it was Friday the 13th. Uh-huh. I was born on Friday the 13th. It was oh, also Good Friday. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That explains so much. Magic. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just something. I don't I don't quite know what. I don't understand it fully. But Taylor Swift does. And it's just a number that's everywhere. There's something. I do. Ever since you've pointed it out to me over the years, I definitely pay attention to 13. Like, I took a picture of this chapter. Um, You'll probably see it on Instagram this week (laughs) because it was so just in my face about it. I was like, oh, Kimmy's going to love this. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I get it. And I don't know what it is because I know... It's just, I think no matter how you look at it, it's a powerful number. Be- Good or bad. Yes. Because there are tons of people who think it's unlucky. Mm-hmm. 
And even the thing where, like, I don't know if they still do it or if it's just random now or what, but, like, hotels wouldn't have 13th floors. Yeah. Like, I don't it. think that that's a thing anymore. And there, I mean, even, like, the Tower of Terror has a lot Disney on World, 13th. what? <laughs> so, like, either way, it's powerful. Yeah. Like, everyone knows this, but whether it's good or bad, like, people do worry when it is Friday the 13th or whatever. Mm-hmm. My dad's obsessed with 13 as well. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. He... So it's it's hard to understand and put into words. I've actually never met anybody besides you that I can really think. I'm sure I've really? met somebody. I'm sure I've met somebody. I just, nobody's birthday that comes to mind that I can think of is on the 13th, except you and Taylor Swift. So let's talk about maybe 13 or so of the 10th. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Only so, 13? Sure. We can keep going forever. Okay. Uh, so in the Night Circus, there were the usual and obvious attractions if you will there were acrobats would you watch those at least i struggled to know like so usually in a circus it's like stadium and they would be like in front of most people while some further down have to look up yeah but this like made it sound like you were just looking directly overhead right or looking directly up yeah i envisioned it where you're basically in a tent with standing room only yeah that's how i pictured it would you watch that does it not freak you out when other people are high? It freaks me out. Like, are you like the awkward mom in the audience who's like, oh, oh, my, <laughs> freaks out every time? <laughs> I love those moms. I feel attacked. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not that dramatic. Not yet, anyways. Not Give yet. It five years. Yeah. I don't like heights, and I don't like other people's heights. Maybe knowing that there's a little bit of magic, real magic to the circus may have helped me because I'm like, oh, nobody's going to get hurt. Nobody's going to go splat. Or even like in real acrobatics in real life with nets and things. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Clutching my arm tightly. Yes. (laughs) Definitely some clutching action. I don't know about the sound effects. Like, there'd be like... (gasps) 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 But not like... I mean, I'd still be happy either way. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, So then, fortune telling. Have you ever had your fortune told? I've always wanted to. We should go do that. Yeah. Do you want tarot cards? Do you want like crystal ball? Crystal ball? What's the most accurate? I, know. I know that was a stupid question. I feel like... I, I want tarot cards. I think that's the most common. Yeah. And I think for whatever reason, people think that's less of an illusion because like it's just cards, you know? Uh-huh. But I mean, it's open to all these infinite interpretations. Exactly. But I think that tarot cards would be fun to interpret. I think that crystal ball is a little hokey pokey. Yeah. But what about uh, tea leaves? (laughs) All right, (laughs) Professor Trelawney. No. Okay. Not my jam. I don't know if anyone does that. Is it a real thing or was it just a Harry Potter thing? No, I think it's a real thing, but I don't think like anyone still does it. So I'm totally into that. I think it would be fun to do. I've never done it. Oh, palm reading. Would you do that? Uh, yeah i probably would okay. because like i pretended to read palms as a kid you know yeah like you go through well, that yeah phase. you like count how many kids yeah. you have yeah like with that i think i have three lines how many you got oh, four shit i got four. Oh, oh no wait no it's those lines right do you have to make the fist i don't know i don't know i think i still have three there's three on this side oh i just hit my mic sorry and i've got three on, on both sides side. 
I have two different lines, so hmm. I'm not having any more kids. Oh, okay. All right. So fortune telling. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd be willing to check yeah. that out. Yeah, I would too. We should do that. We really should. Okay. Um, and then, so there were like acts with the big cats. We never saw much of that. They didn't talk about them really. No. But they did mention specifically that Poppet and Widget's parents did the same act they did, but with big cats. Mm-hmm. And so they, I, that would have been so cute to see Poppet and Widget with their little kittens doing somersaults and stuff. I wanted to see these kittens so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and when Poppet gave the kitten to Go. Chandra's? Yes. Mm-hmm. When she gave him the kitty. Oh, oh so because he had enough, needed I a friend. Oh, he did. And it just warmed my heart. And I was glad that they were nice to him. Yeah, that was sweet. It was. Um, so then there were twists on the typical, since, uh, such as the carousel, mm-hmm. uh, the Hall of Mirrors. Not a fan. Why not? There's a movie, a horror movie. <laughs> it's a uh, now I can't even remember what it's called. It was one. Of, it was Jordan Peele's latest movie, and there's a scene in there. This it's called Us. Us. Really good movie. And there's a scene in there that's kind of freaky in a house of mirrors. And ever since then, not a big fan. Why do you do this to yourself? This is why I'm scared of everything because you, I love horror. You realize that you could just not watch these <laughs> and then uh, a hall of mirrors would just be fine. It'd just be some silly little gimmick. Until you die. I'm not going to die. Have I died? Not yet. Hmm. Have you gone into a hall of mirror recently? Not recently. Well, there you go. Hmm. Horror right. movies and books are just fun. Continue. I'm not getting on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then there were the ones that uh, Celia and Marco created for the competition. I'm mm-hmm. um, going back to the halls, the Hall of Doors, which did you get 10,000 Doors vibes? Yes. Did you love it like I did? Yeah, it was cute. Oh, um, it right. just, it's like everything relates to each other. Yeah. Um, our purple elephants, if you will. Purple elephants. Um, there was the ice garden where you just walk in and it's winter and white and cold. It reminded me of, we have a hotel here that I go to usually in the Christmas time with my fam. Um, it's a Gaylord hotel and the year before last, they did Rudolph ice sculptures, but there was ice, um, where you had to wear coats and, it was freezing in there and the ice sculptures, and that's exactly what it reminded me of. That's odd. Why? Because there were no ice sculptures. No, there wasn't, <laughs> but that's, that's just the vibes that I got. I was a place where it was cold ones. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to be cold. All the glaring. Moving on. Uh, there was also the cloud maze. I thought you might be a big fan of that. Why? Because it goes high. Oh, yeah. And I think, so the author, I, this was something else I read that she had done it. She said it was inspired by some kind of obstacle course, vertical maze that she had been at the Boston's Children's Museum. Oh, I didn't vaguely, read this. Okay. But just like covered with clouds, basically. Uh-huh. So it was more elusive. Um, and then there is the wishing tree. Which you never find unless you need. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Room of requirements. Yep. Did you also enjoy the part that the former wishes ignite your wish and all that? I did. That was creative. Connects us. Yeah. So cute. 
And then the one I would probably like more than you, The Pool of Tears. Definitely. Wait, what was it called that? I just wrote that. What was it called? We're going to go with that. I don't really know what it but was But it called. was just, I mean, you didn't even necessarily have to cry, but something that was weighing on you or making you sad. Yeah. You just think it and release it. Yeah. Um, that's actually, I love that it was a whole huge specific thing here at the circus. I'm just super intentional, but that's something that's very common that people do of just, you know, writing down things they don't need mm-hmm. anymore and letting them go. Sometimes they'll release them in those lanterns, burn them. But various so ways. my question to you then about that is circus is supposed to be happy. Isn't the whole premise of clowns supposed to be that they're actually super sad? I don't know the premise of clowns because they live in storm drains with red balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even with you. <laughs> I really don't know the premise of clowns, though. I don't. (laughs) I don't either, but they're not really supposed to be happy, I don't think. I I feel like maybe it was touched on more in my last circus book, The Ladies of the Secret Circus. Okay. But I mean, we'll have to look into that. um, I know people who like just genuinely do stuff like that. Um, I don't know. That's what I liked about the circus. Like, yes, it's mostly happy, but not everything in life is happy. And maybe something you can't let go of. You need to go there first before you can enjoy the rest of the circus. Tuck your four in. Sorry. <laughs> Falling out again. <laughs> All over the place. Uh, and then there was that, I don't know what it was called either, but that room that Bailey found. Oh, That it was like, yeah. enter carefully. With the Like little, bedtime stories. Yeah, with the little vials. That you smell yeah. and like just transport you to. Yeah. That was kind of cool. It was. Uh, <laughs> what? What tent would you build? So bringing back our Harry Potter vibes from the beginning of this episode, I would want something similar to uh, the Resurrection Stone in Harry Potter, like a tent where you can go and resurrect people who give you comfort. I hope everyone notices this woman who is afraid of heights and clowns (laughs) and mirrors. She would like a tent to go hang out with dead people. That would be okay. the that no, would be the least no, scary tent for her that no, she wants. No, no. Okay. Let, <laughs> let me defend myself again. That's all I freaking do. In Harry Potter. Yes. Harry sees Dumbledore and Snape, correct? I believe so. At points he does see them. In with the resurrection stone. <laughs> Is what I'm referring to. Okay. Because they give him comfort. That is what I would like. I guess. And it doesn't even have to be. Maybe my my brain is going to, before he went and confronted Voldemort, he was holding it and like all of his friends and family were there. No, it's not that one. There's another But that happens too, right? It does. But those people are living. No, they're dead. It's his parents and Sirius. And everyone who's dead, they're walking up with him to confront Voldemort. And then he drops the stone and they all disappear. I thought that Hermione and Ron were in there too. No. No. Okay. Apparently someone needs to reread a book. I'm not going to. You won't even reread Harry Potter? No. I got other shit to read. Wow. I don't even know if we can be friends. (laughs) (laughs) What would you build? Judgy Judgerson? Oh, gosh. I'm really digging your resurrection stone. I wrote this question, but I didn't think about it. No? <laughs> in advance. Um, I think I would like to take Marco's biggest talent. 
but instead of him being in control. So basically what Marco's biggest talent was, was he could be close to someone and make them see whatever he wanted them to see. Which was really cool. And I think, I think that would be cool if, I don't know if it'd be too lame. People could do that and it might be weird, but it would be like, oh, hey, here's your, your safe place, your happy place. And, you know, for you, that would be like on a mountain or some shit. And then I'd be on a beach or something. And we'd be in the same room. Be like, yes, our happy place. Look at the ocean. And you'd be like, what? There's no ocean here. So and it'd be like different for everyone. So you're saying that it, you two different people could be in this tent at the same time yeah. and experience two different things. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Just what they like want to see. That'd be kind of cool. That'd yeah. be really cool. All right. So those various tents and acts were really part of a bigger story. This game that Celia and Marco are players in. For me, not knowing the rules was frustrating. I wasn't a fan. I like to have all the information up front. And you say you want the information up front. Did it also just dig it in that much deeper that we never clearly, definitely got all the rules? Yeah. It was just, it felt, it felt like, (laughs) like you're playing a game with a five-year-old and they're like, you play by the rules that were initially established. And then they're like, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to change the rules halfway through because I'm losing. And it felt like. Did you feel like things were changing? I felt like it was willy nilly. Like that they could just do like make up things on the fly and nobody could really verify if that's what was the case because nobody (laughs) knew the rules so what you're saying is that you wish it had been spelled out for you because you just couldn't infer what they were (laughs) i have to defend myself again sorry i'm not defending Um, myself anymore tonight taylor swift has a phrase for me uh where i at dinner parties coming at me for my contrarian shit It's a thing. I'm it's sorry thing. that I'm that way. Taylor doesn't like that about me either. <laughs> sorry. She calls me out on my contrarian shit all the time. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh. At dinner parties. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay. So it was then revealed the game wouldn't end until one of them died. I thought this was very predictable. This was the only rule that I found predictable. Because both Celia's dad and alexander kept sort of referring to this ominous ending and i was like one of them has to die well they were point blank like are you sure make it someone you're okay with losing yeah it kept like i was inferring that losing meant death and not like that person's now mine and belongs to me yeah yeah so proud of you thank you excellent reading thank you fifth grade yeah i'm moving on up yeah pete the cat i have excelled at (laughs) i bet yeah so we already discussed learning styles but Mm -hmm. there were other things that could be considered to be an advantage or not such as marco knew who Celia was and who his opponent was so to speak way earlier than her but he was off site the majority of the time while Celia was actually there in the midst of it all Mm -hmm. who do you think had the bigger advantage i think marco still had the bigger advantage Because knowing your opponent is half the battle. Knowing what you're up against can drastically change how you play the game. So I don't really think that Celia had really an advantage about being at the circus 
because she still had no idea who her opponent was. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think a lot plays into that because I want to say that that it would have been fine to not completely know. I think the whole not knowing the rules played a huge thing into it because that gave it an air of not knowing who to trust. Absolutely. Like you're really up against them. And so I think feeling isolated at the circus, even though you're there and not being okay with anyone because you never know who's out to get you would really affect things and like just how you feel personally. And that's another, we'll bring it back to Harry Potter. This is our hashtag secret Harry Potter episode. I guess so. Of how Luna Lovegood was telling Harry like, oh, if I was the bad guy, the number one thing I would want you to do is feel like you had no friends and you were all alone. And they kind of both just self-isolated and they were invited places, but they still didn't get too close to people. I don't know if it's because of the rules, but they thought the game was something completely different or just weren't sure how to take it. And so, I mean, if it was a test of endurance, I don't see, I don't know why they couldn't have just gone on forever. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know why there had to be a time frame all of a sudden. And that's why I feel like the rules were just willy nilly. This is what we're going to do now. And it's like, all right, well, why? Yeah, because it was also weird that once they did know each other, they used their magic and their their moves, so to speak, as gifts to each other. Right. And so I don't, that's what I don't understand. I was like, why it couldn't just go on like that and living in a magical circle and giving each other gifts forever. I don't know. And I think that's maybe because everyone else was tied to it and bound and people would keep asking questions and getting affected in that way um, and go crazy or need their memories altered or something. Well, that just made me think of something else because you asked earlier or one of us asked earlier if being bound to the other person was the cause of their love or the the start of their love. And if it were, what we were just discussing with this is it made me think of the contortionist. And she said that her opponent was the love of her life as well. And so I think now we don't know a lot about the contortionist and her game, so to speak. But I think that being bound to somebody like that and then realizing how much you care about that person, depending on who realizes it more first or whatnot really sort of plays into that as well. Because Marco, the first time that he saw Celia when she was doing her audition, you sort of think you sort of get the feeling that not only does he recognize that this is his opponent but he's also falling in love with her at that point. At least that's the vibe that I got. So then knowing who his opponent is and also having those feelings of affection for her, I think definitely influenced the outcome. I agree, definitely. And that's, so it was revealed towards the end in the conversation with Alexander and Widget Mm -hmm. that this was really a competition between student and teacher of hey, I think your old way of teaching is boring and dumb and I have all these flashy new ways and it's basically like who's who's right, who's is better, who's makes more sense. And so they just keep sacrificing different students to see who's more powerful so to know who is right. So, Which is a terrible way to go about things, right. for the record. And so something that neither of them seems to understand, obviously multiple times, is the strength of binding people together. 
they they mentioned in the beginning that bond that binding was one of the strongest forms of magic but then hector prospero he later says to alexander like are you playing matchmaker or are we playing this for real and so i think he's still not even understanding just how powerful and how deep it goes that's an excellent point because they keep making this mistake and if it's student versus teacher why can't they see that this is not the way to go by binding these opponents together right seems silly it all is pretty silly yeah one of the huge parts of the story is obviously air thesen is that how you say it yeah oh good we agree on that but even more specifically the clock that he creates for this circus how do you think the game was connected to that timepiece? Honestly, even reading a second time, that's one of the things I forgot and thought more. I thought like it should have played a deeper role in it. Like it's vaguely touched on some of his timepieces connecting with like astrological movement as well and just more than that. So I was thinking it would really be super heavy and super involved with the clock and that that would mean something like that. Like they had a timer to get to the end. Oh, that would have been really good. Yeah. But I will say that I think it ended up being connected in a way after all that. I don't know if it was something to do with like binding or a different kind of magic. Um, Cause there were multiple times in here that they like used other people's gifts and said, Oh, maybe that's your own type of magic, such as the engineer. Uh-huh. They're like, Oh, you can animate these things and make these things work. And sometimes even Celia and Marco would go to him and be like, Hey, I have this idea. I need you to do this though. Uh-huh. And that would be, they would borrow his magic, so to speak. That was just engineering that they didn't know how to do by themselves, even with their magic. Uh-huh. And so I think that Arethesen was similar to that. And he had a magic of his own with timepieces. His clock sounded legit. I want me one did. of those clocks. I did. I wanted that so <laughs> badly. Like, I would just love to actually... I would love for this to be made into a movie just so that we could physically see that clock as a real thing because it sounded badass. Amazing. All of his clocks did, honestly. Yeah, they did. They, they sounded did. so great. Um, and so, leading up to this and towards the end, um, when things are just like... This is getting decided right here and right now by the contortionist. Mm-hmm. She had claimed she can't control time, but then she was like, "Hey, Celia, you had one year. One year, it ends here and now." I think something maybe happened, and there was like some kind of binding with Arethesen's magic with timepieces, so that when he died, is kind of what set it off. And so, like while Kiko, the contortionist, couldn't control that necessarily him dying set it off more. Oh, I like that theory. While we're kind of on this subject, can we just talk about how his death was sort of brushed over since he was basically murdered? Yeah. And nobody found anything wrong with this other than he died. Do you know what I mean? Like the guests thought that he was, that this was part of the show. Yeah. And nobody ever said anything about what's his face who killed him and then passed the knife over to Marco. Yeah, that's interesting. And I would think it would be more of a thing with the circus performers. Right. I can understand the patrons thinking that that's part of the show. I totally understand that. 
but I don't understand why the performers just sort of glazed over this and were like, yeah, that's cool. That sucks that he died. And it did give us Celia's reaction, but there should have been more there with everyone been. else. Yeah. Like he should have just been, I, I think it just should have been talked about more. It was a, it was a little part of the story that felt, um, to be a loose end. And going even further though, of what doesn't make sense with that is he was like the original and biggest mm-hmm. reveler. Yes. And they never, that like should have even been mentioned yeah. with them because maybe they could have for a second thought he was part of the performance that night, but they would have noticed he was missing for a year or something or would have cared that he died or like wanted to go to the circus to honor him on the year of his death, but it was nothing to them either. No. And the only thing that's really mentioned is they do mention that it's the year anniversary of his death and they sort of toast to that or whatnot. And then oh, there's yeah. then there's the plaque at the entrance to the ticket booth at the end of the story that But that I don't think when everything's happening at a year that that's there yet. I think no. it's after it all settles. I think so too. I think that Bailey does that because he sort of learned about him when so he I guess, was... I guess what I'm saying is like even that everyone was just too accepting of the grounds of his death. It was just sort of just pushed over like it was, okay, yeah, that that's just what happens. And nobody really said anything about it. And I think it, it could have been... It could have been easily explained in a way of like... Yeah, you know, only so many people were there and actually saw the blood and the knife. And then they just told everyone it was a heart attack or something. But even Marco, he was past the knife. Right. So why wouldn't he say something? He saw who gave him the knife out of anybody Well, because in the he, had, he had messed up his memories and knew who he wanted to kill and was maybe just trying to cover his own skin and protect other people. Sure, but... I see what you're saying, but at the same time... It's so just... I think Marco knew the intense and the weight that it was carrying on everyone. And and I don't know, Marco did have the power to alter memories. Yes. and But there were times when that happened, like he erased the kiss from everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he did this here, but it was just never told. That's a good point, too. I will say that that's a possibility... And that everybody was just sort of accepting of his death after the memory yeah. had been altered. I can see that. I'm going to say that that's what happened because that was just such a big plot hole for me. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Like, I was like, what? nobody's going to say anything about this. This is just okay. Like, <laughs> where's the Thursday murder club? Because they're going to be all over it. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth would be all over that. All right. So we have to talk about Poppet and Widget. Obviously, so many people were affected by this game, but they were the only ones who did age and even got some powers of their own because of it. What weight do you think was harder to bear? Seeing people's past, like Widget, or seeing the future, like Poppet? I would think that seeing the future was harder. Okay. Um, honestly, I have this super deep-seated need to like heal and fix everyone and make everything better. So either of these would weigh me down a lot. Like if I saw everyone's past that was just so terrible and painful, I would want to teach them how to heal and fix that for them. But I, I would think that I could also make myself ignore it like Widget did or like do it respectfully. 
But I think seeing the future and like still forever holding on to hope that there was a way to change it or not fully understanding it and so misunderstanding it then and thinking it was more and then forever getting stuck on trying to change it so that it wouldn't become some heavy burden of the past. I think I think I could live with more seeing the past than worrying about the future. Okay. I'm the opposite. Yeah? I think that um, Widget had a little bit worse off. I'm going to take this old school and go back to the Midnight Library episode. Ah. Yeah. And about people's regrets, people's burdens with their lives and the decisions that they made. And I think that that weighs heavily on an individual already, let alone having to see others. Yeah. And so I think that um, seeing the past would be a little bit more difficult. Although I do see what you mean about the future, uh, especially if you lead somebody down the wrong path, even though she says that the future can change and, you know, basically it's like a don't hold me liable for this, but things right. can things can change. Even though she says that, it's like you still don't want to put that little birdie in somebody's ear and lead them down the wrong path. And so I think... I think you're right that both are equally challenging in their own respective ways. I think I could just accept the past as even if it is hard and heavy, it's done. Whereas just forever wanting to change or worry or like, like I saw this and it was terrible and I was worried. So I did this to try to change it or avoid that. But was it enough or did I do it? Do I need to do one more thing? Do I need to double check? Like, yeah, that sounds stressful. Either one I think is. A rough burden, honestly. So Absolutely. Um, what did you think about having them having to teach themselves and also establishing rules and etiquette for this? I was very impressed, given their youth. I found it fascinating, though, because they were, to a degree, I want to say that they were kind of like just a blend of both ways of teaching. Although I don't know that they necessarily had books. Yes, they did. Oh, they did have books? They did, because it's talked about, I think it was Poppet who was really the the voracious reader, I want to say. Okay, yeah. And so I, it was briefly talked about either way. Okay, so I did feel like, though, that it was like a little mix of both. Like, mm-hmm. they did have some knowledge, but they were also just completely teaching themselves. Maybe that's why I thought that, is because they just had to, like, independent study this, because there was no one to give them the answers. They had to figure it out as they went, but they also like couldn't control it. Much like Celia's dad would just slice her hands right open. They couldn't help if they looked at a person and saw this, that, or the other, or looked at the stars and saw these flashes of the future. Or when Poppet did try to control it, it sort of almost hurt her physically when she unleashed it again. Yes. And so I thought that they were pretty powerful and wise for the ways they were able to harness it with having no blueprint or having no knowledge of how to go about this or even anyone they could ask. And they were so respectful of it, especially Widget yes. with the looking into the past. And I thought it was also interesting that people could block him out, which I'm not really sure how it happened because Celia blocked him out for the longest time. Um, and If you're not sure, you could ask Professor Snape. He actually might be able to teach you in between classes. Thank you. I will see him after class. In the dungeons. Yes, in the dungeons. (laughs) 
you are familiar with the Slytherins. Too soon? Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> so how did you feel about the twist where Alexander puts emphasis on Widget's ability to see people's past and making it about storytelling and how important that was for him to do? So, one, this gave me Henry vibes, who's the story keeper who told Addie's story, that I angel. didn't even make that connection at all. I like that. Yeah. And so then the other thing that ties in that this sounds planned listening, but was not planned at all, uh-huh. was how probably we should write our stories that we have. <laughs> so it's a sign that we need to write it our books. It's a sign. Um, I loved it, though. You know, I love how all of our authors talk about books and stories and how yes. important they are. And I just think that's so great. I love hearing people's stories. I love just the depth and the humanity of it all that connects us. And so I just really love that. That's probably my most highlighted part in chapter was him talking about the importance of stories and how he needed to tell them and how important it was. I didn't even think about that at all. That's such a good um reference there i like that oh thanks yeah <laughs> so it all ties together in the end with widget sitting down with alexander which we've been talking about so i got mad harry potter vibes so should we just like title this, this whole book, harry potter right? this episode i know so i got vibes when widget was asking alexander if he was going to end up like prospero who basically what he had done is try to make himself immortal. And then, because apparently he didn't know about Horcruxes. I mean, not everybody does. He ended up neither dead nor alive, neither here nor there. And it was kind of a little bit awkward. Maybe Moaning Myrtle could have filled him not in. Not quite dead, not quite alive. But Alexander said that he would not end up like him because whereas... Hector had been seeking immortality. Mm-hmm. It was not seeking anything. It was the avoidance of it. And that reminded me of the invisibility cloak with three brothers and how, you know, he just hides from death forever. And then when he's ready to die, he slips off the invisibility cloak and de- greets death like an old friend. Yeah. So huge, deathly hollow vibes for me. So it's funny that we have talked about so much about Harry Potter in this episode because even on Erin Morgenstern's website, um, she addresses the fact of how Harry Potter is often related to this book. So she's aware of it. <laughs> We're not Good. the only ones that got that sort of vibe whatsoever. Um, so that's it's just kind of funny that it's made a 360 now. I bet that, that the lady serves chocolate mice on the trolley. <laughs> Some, uh, where are the frogs called? The chocolate frogs. Chocolate frogs, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I thought, for some reason, I was thinking that they had a more eclectic name. So, whatever. <laughs> All right. So, as you guys know by now, we have a rating system for every book that we read of one through five stars. Five is an all-time favorite book. Four is great. I would love to read more by this author. Three, this was a solid book. Two, not very good. Could have lived without reading it. One, why did I waste my time on this rubbish? Kimmy, it has been seven whole years since you have read this book. What is your current rating, first of all? (sighs) Honestly... 
My current rating is probably a four. Okay. What was your previous rating? Was, I'm assuming a five. It was definitely a five. So what changed? So there are many factors that go into this and ratings. And so first of all, I want everyone to know that my ratings are, they tend to be fickle. I have a playlist of every Taylor Swift song ever. And every time I listen to it, I'm like, wait, this song should be higher. Oh, this song may be a little lower. And it's always adjusting. (laughs) I think that's because it's hard to put a favorite because maybe some days I'm feeling a little bit more sad and having a little bit more melancholy. And then I'm like, the sadder songs get a little bit of emphasis. But other days I'm like happy and want to jam. So the carefree songs, that kind of thing. I think it's the same with books. You know, what's going on in our lives. Um, This one... I do feel like I had a better grasp of what was going on, even though it was super vague reading it a second time. Even if I didn't remember a lot, I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Just having that building block, even how vague it was, it was less vague than the actual book. <laughs> but then I did also read another circusy book. I like bits of that more. A lot of it was similar. I think you would like that one more. And I don't know if that's just because I found that one to be... They were so completely different. That one was much more darker, had real mystery, real murder. This one was, you know, that light and fluffy romance and also never quite spelling it out, which is why I think you didn't like it. Yeah. But I think that's like, you know me or something. (laughs) I think that's what lowered it a little bit, but I still did really enjoy it. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it again, especially since this was your birthday episode. (laughs) Yay. Um, so what what did, what did you read it? Well, before we go to okay. that, this is a perfect example of why you never reread books. Just saying. Because your opinion changes. And you think, and? this was so high on your list. Okay, but... I so- see what you're saying. I see what you're saying about the whole, it changes based on your mood. And I, I completely agree with that. But I would rather let the memory live in infamy then risk it changing. But then isn't that a little bit embarrassing if you're telling someone all the time, this is one of your all time favorite books. And then they're like, Oh, why would this be a favorite book of yours? And then no, because there's no bad books. There's just books that don't work for people putting it on a shirt. It's not bad. It's still very good. But to just put that expectation of like one of the best books I've ever read and then be like, no, you know, it was very good. And I would love to read more about this author. I enjoyed it, but I don't want to, Shout out from the rooftops as much now. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. We just have two different opinions. On you it. can reread books and it will be fine and fun. Okay. And it is like coming home is visiting an old friend, slipping on an old cardigan. Everything is fine. Just had to get one more reference, didn't you? <laughs> yes. All right. So my, you're not going to like this. I found a lot of problems with this book in my rating. My number is going to be a 2.75. <laughs> you're welcome. I don't think it's bad enough, in my opinion, to give it a two, but I also don't think it's it's good enough to give it a three. It's really a little bit more than in the middle of the Can you two. give it a 2.74? I don't see why not. How about a 2.74? No. no. Two, sorry, what? what is two plus seven? Two plus seven is nine. Plus four? Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd alert. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my calculator out. Um, sure, 2.74. Thank you to, for your service. To appease Kimmy over there. Um, 
there was about a hundred pages where I was like, this is pointless. There wasn't a lot going on. It was very slow. Okay. A very slow build. And that makes books difficult for me. I need something that's going to keep my attention. And that's why I slogged through this book amongst other personal life things. But this was a slog for me, honestly. And I don't know. I think your <laughs> your mental and current mood is affecting <laughs> Whatever. It'll be a 2.74 okay. forever because right. I won't reread it. But I, if a movie were to come out um, about this, I would definitely see it. So it's not so far down on my list that I want to give it a full-on two. But I, there was just that middle part of this book just really killed me, honestly. It really did. There was a lot of filler, and I didn't really care for that. We could have eliminated at least 100 pages. I will say even rereading with this huge gap... And knowing more that I was able to like look for the connecting clues and thoughts. And so I didn't feel that. So maybe that's what I was missing. Yeah. All of the little Easter eggs from already knowing the story. <sighs> However vaguely. Yeah. It just didn't do it for me. It really didn't. Even the romance portion of it. Romance didn't do it for you. It, okay. You made an excellent point. On Instagram recently. I did? You did. Oh. That really struck home with me. I, and I don't know exactly the, the phrasing that you use, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you said something along the lines of you want basically the lust, not the lust, the the relationship part of it and oh, the chase. You know what I'm referring you want to? swoon and not steam. Swoon and not steam. No mixed steamy. I don't want that shit. Like, that's not my jam. That wasn't in here. Swoon, there was no swoon. There either. wasn't. There wasn't. And that's the romance part that I realized you made a light bulb go off in my head about that. That I like the spoon. I love the spoon, actually. I do not <laughs> like the steam. Okay. And I'm not a prude. I'm going to put that out there for the record. But I, it's just not my cup of tea. Okay. This did remind me. Of another reason why I lowered it, my rating. Okay. We mentioned part of it earlier, of how the character, the main characters especially, were just almost too perfect, mm-hmm. or just without flaws. And I think the same thing about their romance. It's like, I get they were doomed lovers, but at the same time, I didn't feel like there was like real conflict. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. There was a lot of things that could be problems in this book but never really ended up being problems if that makes sense yeah like bailey taking over the circus when they sort of gave him that option to either do it or leave with no consequences it could have been a bigger problem than it was but he sort of just made that decision on the fly and felt drawn to it i mean there was a lot of of opportunity for problem and I think that's maybe why I also didn't oh. like it as much. See, Bailey, I could see, like, he was late, and I could get that conflict, and they weren't sure he would come, and the circus left early, and so it missed him, even though he wanted to. So they felt different. So with Bailey, I didn't see that problem. Okay. But with them, it was never like a, 
oh, I'm supposed to be battling her, but I'm in love with her. And There was no conflict of interest. Yes. And there was no, like, wondering who reciprocated the feelings and you, trying to right, actually, with that, because it was just assumed that they both felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's another reason. It was just... <laughs> I said this with the last book, too, of how... I wanted more of the characters to like question things and fight. And I've just, apparently I want all the conflict. That's my inner eight. (laughs) Well, I mean, I see that too, because that makes for interesting reads. Mm -hmm. That makes for attention grabbing plots. And that's what keeps a reader engaged is conflict. Because nobody wants conflict in their real lives. You turn to other things. You turn to television, movies, books, entertainment to give you that conflict that is entertaining, but that you don't want in your life that you don't want to actually experience. Yeah. So when a book is too perfect or characters are too perfect, you're missing out on a big part of what makes entertainment entertaining. Yeah. In my opinion. And that's honestly something, um, another shout out to story graph. I feel like I mentioned them last week. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever realized it, but you know, one of the things they ask every review because I do it in more of a QA format, is are the characters flawed and how much do the characters' flaws oh. play into it? And so I didn't realize like it was such a big thing and how much I enjoy that. Yeah. And so like I wanted there to be like something wrong or something that they were even working on for self-improvement. Well, just since we'll keep our theme with Harry Potter and, and comparing, not necessarily comparing, but relating this book to mm-hmm. Harry Potter, think about all of the conflicts. Oh, that Harry Potter, just Harry, right. not even the other characters, has to endure and has to figure out and has to work through. And that's part of that book series charm. See what <laughs> I did there? Uh, is getting through the conflicts. And yeah. I feel like that's what makes him so, or such a good character yes. is because he has to persevere and he has to figure it out and his friends are there to help him and it's just this big thing. And And this was missing that. Yeah. And they both had the foundation for that with their upbringing, which we've touched on. They did. Like for her to have such a physically abusive father who treated her as terribly as he did and for her to just be the nicest person in the world to everyone and everything was Well, same thing for him. For somebody who just dismisses him basically and says, eh, your name doesn't matter. Your identity doesn't matter. Your value as a human doesn't yeah, matter. Who, you are nothing but a chess piece for me. You're my exactly. pawn. Exactly. I see what you did there. <laughs> so. <sighs> yeah. So I think that's, that's what lowered it. And I don't know. I made you in time to just adjust on the final feeling too. I'm not completely sure. Yeah. It's definitely not an all. Well, I don't know. Would you still recommend it to somebody? If, somebody if someone you, wanted a fantasy book and they were keen on the circus idea, I would I would recommend The Ladies of the Secret Circus. Over this book? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that rereading it kind of lowered it, but, you know. That's all right. Taylor songs move around, too. So <laughs> That's because they all deserve to be number one because she is a queen. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> we Moving hope- on. <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed hearing... Us go on and on and on about the night circus. This might be our longest episode yet. Oh, really? <laughs> Whoops. Even so, more than Addie? All week, join us. Whew. 
we want to hear your thoughts too. Please reach out to us on social media at The Lost Chill. Follow along as we talk about this all week. While you're there, give us your thoughts on this book. Give us a follow. Give us some likes. Probably some saves too. All those things that Mm -hmm. are great on the gram. And then you'll always know what books are on the horizon. So you can also find out more about us and the show on thelostchill.com. Boom, baby. Boom. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning just in time to have with some coffee. Yes. So drink that coffee. Give us a five-star rating. Yes. And come back next week as we discuss Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. After both reading it for the first time ever, we have made it this long without reading this book. Yeah. Jane Austen virgins over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to it. Um, I'm reading it. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll share our thoughts. Uh, <laughs> Can you infer Katie's thoughts? I'm awkward today. I don't know what my problem is. Following week, we're going to be discussing our uh, listeners' choice of Firefly Lane by Chris and Hannah. This is something that we plan on doing uh, in the future is having you guys choose a book once a month for us to review. So we will be putting that up on our Instagram. So make sure that you're following us so that you can find out more information about that and so that you can vote on that as well. Keep an eye on our social media because we will be revealing May's book soon and having that voting contest. Like Kimmy said, if you are enjoying The Lost Chill, please leave us a review wherever you listen to us. We would be so very grateful if you did. We cannot wait to discuss this book with you this week, and we are so thankful for everybody who has tuned into our show and who keeps coming back. So we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Aww.